0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Parents Podcast from Champion Forest. As parents, we know that raising kids can be one of the most rewarding and challenging experiences in life. And we just want to come alongside fellow parents and offer support, encouragement, and practical advice on how to raise our kids well. So, thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: We are so excited to be back at the Parents Podcast. I'm here in the room with Justin Holcomb. That's right. Our student pastor and our special guest, Julie Crocker. And Justin, today we're going to be talking about anxiety.
2: I love that. Now, did you bring this in just because of me and you think I'm an anxious person? Is that what's going on here?
1: I didn't want to say anything, okay. but... no yes but we do see in ministry and working with kids we have noticed mm-hmm. um how anxiety is so prevalent in our society in our kids in our teenagers and we just want to help parents don't we i
2: love that yeah we do i working with students you with children for as long as or kids for as long as we have there are a uh, a lot of things going on and so uh, i know i have tons of conversations with students and one of the biggest things they say is i just I'm anxious or I have uh, anxiety towards filling the blank. Right. And so as we were talking, Steph, we've been just trying to figure out, okay, um, who would be somebody great to bring on? You know, I know that I can give some answers from my side, but there are professionals out there. There are people that are doing this. And so Julie, thank you so much for joining us today, being willing to give up your time and just to talk to us and to talk to parents um, as we listen in on this podcast. So.
1: So Julie, tell us, why are you so passionate about anxiety?
0: Man, I'm so glad and excited to be here today because I can just already tell, feel like a a unity of heart. I can Mm. tell that you guys love your kids. You have experience working with children and with students. And you've probably seen a lot of different things throughout the years of working with kids than the ages that you've worked with. And of course, we're emerging out of a pandemic. Mm. And so, you know, my, my passion is actually personal. I struggle with anxiety, family and friends have struggled with anxiety, so I started studying anxiety over a decade ago when I was in children's ministry, so I have 26 years of education and ministry as experience, but as we emerged from the pandemic, I'm up in the Woodlands area, Magnolia area, and um, we were just under-resourced for counselors, and I had this counseling degree, and I thought, man, I want to work with children and help in the mental health community, and so it became really, really passion for me, passion-driven, to leave church ministry and go into the ministry of mental health and working with children. So I'm actually, I work as a play therapist and I work with children from like ages three through 18. And I see a myriad of different things, but anxiety is a big part of why I jumped into this conversation. So we know today that one in three kids struggle with anxiety. Wow. Right. So when I'm talking with students or, you know, with, with kids, I say like, okay, your math class has 21 kids in it. Seven of those kids Feel just like you do. Wow, that's good. So, we know that, that more than any other time in the history of the world, we have documented, recorded, evidence based research that's saying there's never been another time in our society or in our world where we have seen anxiety at this type of level. Mm. Not World War II, not the Great Depression. It's greater than any of those things as far as um, the, the research behind it. So, we know that this is a significant and important thing. And so, it's personal to me. I'm seeing in my office, But then I'm starting to see kids who are also maybe um, they're like they're on medication for it as well. And they don't understand the education and the science behind it. And they've maybe been educated or they've been on medication for quite some time. And so they come into me and we start talking about the educational pieces behind it. And what's the cause of this? Mm. And what's the science behind it? And what can you do about it? And oftentimes, it's the first time that a kid has had that conversation.
2: Actually discussed it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and so it's it's super just amazing to watch a kid go, oh, my gosh, wait, I start to understand this and I can maybe have some control over it. Mm. And the reality is God made our our bodies and our minds for repair. Mm. And so we have to point to the ultimate creator, right, in all of this. And I, I just kind of marvel at it. Any at any point in history, we're at the most anxious that we've ever seen our kids. and. By the way, like it's the number one mental health issue with children today wow. is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety left untreated moves into depression. Anxiety mm-hmm. and depression hang out together in the in the therapeutic world. We, it's what we call their comorbidity. They hang out together mm-hmm. and they can be hard to differentiate between the two. But I think how cool is it that we also have more than any other time in history, like the science, that we can begin to understand the neurological impact of the brain. And God, that's not a, that's not a mistake that yeah, that's was right. by design that's right. so that's that's my passion behind it and then when i get to see kids um personally you know and and the friends that we have and family members and then kids in my office go wait and they start to have some uh, positive experiences it's just life-changing and i just think god is god is an ultimate authority and he created us for for healing so the that's body awesome. and the brain heal too so that's my passion that's why I'm passionate that.
2: about it. Well, I love that. And I think it fits right in with, with Steph and I both as far as we are passionate about working with this generation, you know, know the you next are. gen yes. um, and working with the kids for sure. But then also, and I think that's the beauty of us being able to gather is also the parents because I know as mm-hmm. Stephanie's working with, with you know, kids fifth grade down, um, there's there's a lot of hands-on parent side of things, right? And then in student ministry, when they they transition up to us, there's a... We don't wear name tags in the student building, right? Know, There's a different yes. check-in system. There's a different mm-hmm. some different things. Um, but we both have the same passion to see students um, reach, uh, number one, fall in love with Jesus, and then reach the potential that God has for them right here, right now. And anxiety, depression, all of these things are things that that the enemy would love to grab hold and keep hold of our kids' lives. And so for parents to figure out, and that's why I thank you for being here um, and talking, again, with the same passion as we have, um, you being able to speak into this on this other side and what you're seeing, I think is going to be life giving to parents as well as for me, as I'm sitting here going to learn a ton from this. So again, thanks for joining us with it. So Steph has some questions yes. and even more than that. So Steph run through them.
1: Yes. So, and you just mentioned it. And I think parents are wondering this, even students who will be listening to this are wondering mm-hmm. what is causing all of this anxiety. We want to know where it's coming from. You know, Why?
0: And I think that's a really important question too. And so parents, parents are a huge part of the solution. Yeah. And oftentimes family unwittingly, right, as parents, like nurture is like what God designed us to do. Mm -hmm. And so when our kids are anxious, like our own like systems are, you know, just definitely like heightened and we're designed to protect our children. Like, that's how humanity has survived yeah. throughout the years. And so when we see our kids in panic, we want to protect.
1: Run and yet, to it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mama bear comes right, out. For sure. <laughs> right. And so, like, and there's nothing wrong with mama bear, except sometimes mama bear <laughs> and daddy bear can overfunction that's right. and accommodate the anxiety. So we know that that's a part of it for our children is, is that piece? And children actually look for, to us Mm. and the adults in their lives to mirror who they are wow. as a reflection of who they are. So if they're looking to mom and dad and they're saying, I can't do it. And mom and dad say, you're right. You don't have to go to school today. Like, yeah. that's, that's enforcing mm. that anxiety and accommodating it. And while we think in the moment, like it's maybe going to help my kid not to have to do that hard thing. Yeah. It's actually working to the negative and there's some scientific pieces to that, too, that we'll get into in a little bit. But so there's definitely some family system things going on. Mm. Um, teacher, like, you know, academic system things going on. So to any of the adults in the child's life, as, as kids are looking to say, can I do this hard thing, um, we have to stop and uh, examine, are we accommodating? You know, mm. are, we, are we engaging in the conversation and allowing them to do the hard thing? Are we saying to our kids, you know what, that is a hard thing? And if anybody can do it, if anybody can figure out the solution, it's you.. Wow. And I'm here. Let me know if you need any help figuring out, but I believe in you. And then taking a step back and letting them step into it. The more that we step back mm. and let our kids step in to the difficult thing, the more that they realize they're able to achieve the yeah. hard thing. So family systems are a part of it. There's also genetic pieces, too. Mm. Oftentimes, anxious kids have anxious parents. And so to parents listening, I would even say, you know, how do modeling, how do you navigate your, your anxiety? Yeah. You know, and, and because kids are always like, we know kids really learn from modeling. That's a huge yeah. part of yes. how kids learn. Yep. And so how are you modeling how you deal with and work through anxiety? That's an important piece. And then there's environmental pieces and this isn't going to surprise you guys in the jobs that you're in. I don't think it's going to surprise our listeners either, but, um, social media. Yep. Y'all. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I had a, as young woman in my office who, um, 17 years old. And she said, you know, you guys didn't know technology was coming on board. Like smartphones were coming on board as we were born. So she's 17 years old yeah. and she was being super respectful, but she said, y'all didn't know what to do with it. And so you left us to figure out what to do with it. Wow. And she said, we didn't, we knew too much too soon and we don't blame you guys. You know, but I'm going to tell you what, me and my friends, we're not giving our kids smartphones until they're so much older because we knew too much too soon.
2: And that was a 17 year old?
0: 17 year old. Wow. I had another kid in my office. She's a senior. And she said, if I see one more person explain that they got accepted to a school on TikTok, she's like, I'm going to like, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. (laughs)
2: Because they were nervous or had anxiety about what they were going to be doing next. They didn't have
0: their answer yet. They didn't have their answer yet. So social media is a huge, huge part of it. Um, So there's environmental pieces. There's genetic pieces. You also have like personalities, right? Mm -hmm. That type A kid who is like, get it done on time, before time, arrive ahead of time so that they can manage the situation. They want to control some things. And there's some scientific things in there too. So definitely there's some wiring of chemicals for those type a personalities which by the way i say i'm not like i'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) and so there's there's some type a personalities that are naturally driven um and then they also have some scientific pieces to them there's there's chemicals going on in the brains and so a lot of times those chemicals can just be heightened Mm. and and because they stay at an elevated heightened rate rate the anxiety can continue to grow so um there's um, Stressors, life stressors. And stress is a huge, like stress impacts relationships. yes. And so when we're really stressed out, we take a step back, right? Or we can't navigate relationships really well. And yet relationships are key Mm. to helping somebody through anxiety and and connection. It's all about connection and relationship. And so when we talk about stress and environmental stress and life stress, which we all have, it, it's not like we can escape them. I wish we could, right. but um, we have to come into balance with some things too. So those are some important things. And when we're talking about causes too, trauma is mm, a part of a this as time. well. Yeah. Now, when we're we're going to talk about treatments in just a few minutes, but trauma doesn't come into play when we're talking about the treatment piece. When you have like a single traumatic event, like a car crash or something mm-hmm. like that, or you have more complex trauma, like a relational issue that's been abusive, that treatment looks very, very different. different. But nonetheless, huge cause for anxiety for sure. And then I, one of the biggest things too, I think, is developmental pieces. And so for parents, when they see their kids maybe struggling with um, separation, right? From yes. like, yeah, stranger danger hmm. or for your teenagers, right? That you're seeing them struggle with like, am I worthy to be in a relationship with hmm. somebody? Am I lovable? Like, these are developmentally appropriate places for kids to be. Yeah. And so what we have to do is talk about build relationships and connection with them as adults. I love that you have kids who will come in and you can notice Justin, like something's up. Stephanie, I know That's you right. know your kids the same way and the parents the same way. I know you stop and you have conversations and you're looking for those like physical cues of what's going on mm-hmm. um, because they come out, they come out on Sunday morning. That's right. You know, so you see them, <laughs> you see yes. them, you see them at camps, you see them at church. Yeah. And so relationship is key to that too. But there's developmental pieces. And I always say, Give your kids the experience, mm-hmm. the time, and the love that they need to navigate those things. And they, and they just need it, right? And so I think sometimes parents, too, aren't sure that, like, this is developmentally appropriate. You know, they they can become concerned. Again, that anxiety escalates and elevates, and it's important for parents to know sometimes that's just developmentally appropriate, right? Yeah. So especially as they're moving into elementary school and all the pieces that come with that, they're judging themselves against Physi- you know, against their peers physically, yeah. socially, emotionally, academically, they're looking at the person sitting next to them in the desk and trying to figure out Am I normal, is this normal? Yeah. So Hard those are hear. some of the causes for anxiety.
1: So tell us a little bit about how developmental levels and in play into anxiety.
0: So I think that's really important. I think sometimes parents are concerned that what they're seeing as far as anxiety maybe is, isn't normal. Mm. And so there are developmental levels for kids that are important to think about. So for a kid in stranger danger, that's developmentally appropriate. For a teenager who's trying to think, am I, am, am I worthy of love? Is this you know boyfriend-girlfriend relationship yeah. going to be something that I can have? Those are developmentally appropriate stages. So giving our kids the experience, time, and love to mm. work through them allows them to navigate those things successfully. But it's a season. It has a beginning and it has an end. Yeah. So, And that's
1: a relief as a parent. And if parents yes. don't recognize and know that it's a developmental stage, they forget that um, or they don't know that it is a season mm. and they their kids will work through that. Mm-hmm. And one other thing you said, Julie, about time, experience, and love is I know for me sometimes as a parent – I got so busy in what Mm -hmm. I was doing. Mm -hmm. I think I missed some of those cues for where kids, my kids were having anxiety and I wish I would have taken more time to notice. Mm, That's good. I think that,
0: I think that's absolutely right. I think I reflect back on my time as my kids have been growing up. And I think a lot of times I was caught up in my own stress for sure. And so I miss those cues. I agree 100%.
2: Well, some of the things you said there about uh, they, they're they looking for a couple of things there. Relationally, when you mm-hmm. said that one, that was one for me. It's like, man, so many times working with students um, because of a relationship at school, maybe. And then they come home or that when I get to see them, of course, at church or at other places, um, there's a there's a friendship or something that's causing some stress in their mm-hmm. life. And then it causes them anxiety in their life to where they don't want to be around certain situations, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to come to church, they don't want to be around things yeah. because of somebody. And so, working through that with them, um, I do. You know, I try my best to tell them, "Hey, you, you're this is your place as far as church." Mm-hmm. But at home, I think it's really important for parents to also lean into that and saying hey, you don't have to pull away from all of these things, yeah. right? And kind of pushing them into that a little bit. Personally, I've seen that as being a, a help. Am I right in that? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for sure we don't want to accommodate the anxiety. Now, sometimes there's things that right you really have to sit down and know your kid. You have a PhD in your kid. Right. And so, you know, there's going to be situations that might be harmful or hurtful for them. And so you have to weigh all those things. I think the thing that I've come away, like as a parent, the one word that I would say is everything is balanced.
2: Mm, That's good.
0: And so I, I can't be too far this way and I can't be too far that way. But when you have the opportunity to really lean in, like maybe the social situation for sure, for a kid to go into a situation and to navigate that successfully and then for them to realize, like, I was really afraid of that being around that person or that thing, but I realized I can be in this situation, whether it be Sunday morning church or a, an event that you're having in, in your youth ministry and see, like, I can branch out. I can connect yep. with other people and I can be successful.
2: So so real quick with that, I would say something that, um, that I've th- seen that helps is when the parent lets other people around know mm-hmm. kind of what's coming yes. along. A lot of times as parents, we <laughs> want to hide what's going on in our kids' lives and not let anyone else know and then just speak directly to our kids. And as somebody that gets to work alongside students, if I just knew a little bit of what yes. I'm, is walking in or how this is happening, I feel like I might be able to help yeah. as, as somebody just journeying alongside. That could be a teacher um, at school. That could be coaches, right, mm-hmm. on the ball teams and all these things. Just kind of making people aware, not that to accommodate specially, but just to make them aware to where yeah. then as leaders and other people that are walking and journeying with your kids, it allows them a better understanding of how to talk to that student or to that kid um, or to help. But again, as a parent, I am. I've got four, right? right. One in high school, two in middle school, one in elementary. I'm walking every part of this out. Um, there is a balance of how much do I do I take from them? How much mm-hmm. do I I shield from them? How much do I... I push them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you said a PhD. Thank you for that. Having a PhD yes, you in do. my kids. Justin, that's, you do. That is oh, <laughs> it's empowering. Thank yeah. you. I yeah. feel that. So, but I think those are, um, as a parent, that balance is really, really important. And each kid is different in your own household too, I would sure. say. So. so
1: true. Yeah. And one other thing you said about, Letting the kids go and do it as much as we can on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, it is so hard, I think, especially for moms to let go some and say, let you walk it out, even though it's so hard, Mm -hmm. but kids learn, or even us as adults, we learn so much more when we're walking it out ourselves Mm -hmm. and we, we learn through that challenge. We learn through that experience. So don't jump in and rescue them every time, but let them work it out. Yeah. I I
0: think that's absolutely true. And Justin, I would just echo I, as I reflect about parenting ourselves and we have a senior in high school and a freshman in high school, I think, man, I couldn't have, we couldn't have done this parenting thing without our church family Mm -hmm. Without staff members, you know, children's ministers and youth pastors that walked with us that did partner. I always say like, I was always looking for somebody in partnership with me yeah. that I could bounce ideas off of. And there's a huge part of trust that comes with that. And so for, for parents to have a safe place with yeah. you guys is huge mm. and important and it's needed. So yeah. I agree 100%. And I think the rescue part. Uh, You know, I've had moms and dads say to me like, well, this is what I'm here for. I'm supposed to run the lunches up and I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to make sure that they have their computers. And so to take a step back and say, no, you you can empower them to, to figure out what is lunch going to look like when they left lunch at home or are they going to have to share a computer (laughs) with a friend? And and those can be anxiety producing situations for kids. Yeah. So not jumping in, but it's hard sometimes. And so I, and I'll say it like, I'm, I'm guilty of these things. So the other day, like I write, I'm like, I'm passionate about this. And the <laughs> other day I had a kid in my car and I was, I reverted back to that thing of accommodating and wanting to accommodate. And so I'm, I'm guilty of all those things at the same time. There's no judgment in this, in this conversation for anybody listening. No.
2: And I love that you said that because there's a balance of there are times where it just happen. And this consistent, and so now there's a learning and a teachable moment in that, too, that as a parent, <laughs> you, you want to help them learn how. So you didn't charge your computer overnight. Well, guess what? Your computer's plugging on to die at school today. So yeah. just teachable moments in there as well. And looking for those, picking up on those cues and learning. But those are, I mean, I know that my son's going to be stressed if he shows up at school and his computer dies,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's going to
2: be anxiety. And, ah, well, the night before, set it out. We've got the place for it, talking through those. Um, the schedules talking through all those things as a parent, taking the time to do that. and we talked about that, I think last time a little bit about the time with students and helping mm-hmm. set boundaries and all of those things. but um, it, as a parent, I know I can get tired.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I can be so uh, selfish that um, that I just Say so they deal with it. And that's not helping them either. So I think it is a good, healthy balance in, in that. So thanks for sharing that. For I love sure. that. For
1: sure. Okay, Julie, we want you to tell us, you're the expert here. Okay. <laughs> we want you to tell us how does anxiety work?
0: Got it. Okay, so first of all, let's define anxiety. There's a couple of different definitions out there. You know, so definitely, we, I think, to know that anxiety is a stress stress-motivated mm-hmm. thing. So it's hugely important. But Sissy Goff, who is an author and um, counselor in the Nashville area, probably has my favorite definition, and she says it's an overestimation of the problem and an mm. underestimation of self. And what I love oh, wow. about that definition is it says like, wait, I can maybe do something about this. Right? That's an empowering Damn. definition. Yeah. An overestimation of problem and an underestimation of self. And so what we just talked about, there's like, it's hard to be a kid. You guys, it is hard to no, be I a kid. Go back. Away. No way! No way! And so I think that's important to notice note as well. So um, when we're talking about the the chemical pieces of this, um, so it's real. Yeah, anxiety is real. Yeah. when a child has anxiety, anybody has anxiety. Like they don't like the feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. It is a diagnosis when you're talking about like in the in the diagnosis of mental health. Like it's one of the diagnoses that a person would choose not to have. Yeah. And so if you have a kid who's staying up in like all hours of the night, because that's a lot of times when anxiety kicks in is when the mind starts to slow down and it's time to go to bed and they're mm-hmm. keeping everybody up in the house and you're like ready to lose it because man, everybody's got to gotta go to bed. You have to know that kid would, would choose not to do that, right? So anxiety is real. Um. There's There's chemical pieces that are happening as well. So stress naturally has this ceiling that it can come up to, like a ceiling of tolerance. Mm. And so if you push up against that ceiling re- repeatedly, the tolerance level can go down. So it's important to note, like balance, how, allowing your kids some time to rest and relax, mm. not push on busy schedules. Those kind of things are important. If your kids are saying, hey, I'm I'm at this place and you're seeing elevated levels of stress, there's there's chemical things that are happening. There's The nervous system is activating mm. when your kids are under high levels of stress and, and the anxiety is moving in. But here's how it works. So it's almost like a worry cycle. So it works like this. You have, for anybody, you have this like worried thought. It triggers a physical response. And so there's physical pieces to our nervous systems that are kicked off. So stomach ache, super normal, mm-hmm. headache. These are kind of the the most, the two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also like pain in the chest. Um, what's really happening is that fight or flight parasympathetic nervous system is being activated so your fingertips might feel numb because it's taking all the blood from all the parts of your body that you would need to use to run mm. so or to to oh, wow. to leave and so yeah. like you're right all that blood would be needed to be diverted to your legs so you could head out of town and get away from whatever it is and so that's what's happening when a kid has anxiety and so for parents to know and understand that worry cycle is being activated but so you have the, the worried thought, that's your trigger. Mm-hmm. The, the physical symptom kicks in, more worried thought, mm. more physical symptoms, and it's just this cycle. And, and you can't get out of it if you don't realize that's exactly what's going on. Wow. But the body is actually just telling you something that's mm. important to note. And so to, in order to, to navigate that, say, whoa, wait, I need to take a step back here and see what's really happening. It's telling me something's going on. God, God made our bodies to do that. Yeah. But a lot of times it's a false alarm. And so that system that's mm-hmm. been wired a certain way, because you also have all these things like neurotransmitters in your brains. And so these it's chemical messengers. And they're shooting messages all around your brain all the time. When you're stuck in anxiety, there can be a negative train of thought that's impacting those neurotransmitters. Okay. And so neurology actually has shown that these neural, neural messengers actually carve like Rivers in our brain? Yes, I've heard that. So you can get really stuck in one river, right? You think about the Grand Canyon. Yeah. You know, that took a lot of years to get to (laughs) that place. But we know that there is treatment and ability to redirect and retrain the brain. So you can change the way that the river of thought moves.
1: I've heard this, and you correct me if I'm wrong. The only way to retrain that river is to create a new river. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, yeah, you're going to have to go back and and realize what, what you've been listening to oftentimes isn't true mm-hmm. right yes yeah. an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of myself
1: yeah so that then worried we to- thought
2: I like that the word you know that starts with a with a with a worried thought and mm-hmm. that what you said to yeah. start with mm-hmm. that's what starts the whole thing and I think so many times we we and this is for all of us this isn't just kids and students or whatever but everybody I think that if it's having to go talk to a direct report or to somebody else, we'd rather put that off until later. Right. And so all of those things, then it just, it just builds to where then the all day you've been worried about something and then it pushes into maybe the next day or beyond that relationship or whatever that conversation. So man, this makes a ton of sense to me for sure. I know I've, I deal with that often in that. and, And one of the things I've had to learn is just there's a principle of of called "Eat the Big Frog first. Oh, you know that okay. one, Let's okay? It's this whole idea that there, there are two frogs, and there is a a big frog and a small frog, and you have to eat them both. Um, it's the it's kind of the idea of procrastination. Which one are you going to eat first? Well, one side says eat the small one and then just wait on the well. The bad taste is going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. So why not go ahead and devour the big project, the big frog, and then just pop the little frog in later? So if you start with your things that you do throughout the day. The big thing I know I have to get done today, if I do that first, the conversation, the whatever it is, Uh then by the end of the day, everything else is small. It doesn't matter. But that's a leadership principle. That's a procrastination. That's in all of those. But I think it plays in with this worried thought. It does. Just the thought of worry. You're already building something that can just become this snowball huge thing that really... Huh, maybe it was something that was just there that didn't even exist or wasn't that big of a deal.
0: I think that's absolutely anxiety loves to live in the unknown, mm. and it'd rather just keep us hanging out in the unknown than to go ahead and accomplish the thing and realize half the things that I was saying about that thing are probably not even real or mm. true. Yeah, or they might have been tough, but I I realized I can do them. Maybe yeah. they were true, but I realized I can do it in the hard thing. I think it's a great principle. It's totally it
1: totally. Alliance. Alliance. Yes. Good. I'm glad. One <laughs> other thing you said, I I've, I've heard you say it twice today yeah. is step back. Mm-hmm. Twice you said take a step back. And I think it's um challenging for me personally, for parents, when we're or anyone who's struggling with anxiety, when you're in that cycle, stop and take a step back. And, you know, we teach children to take those deep breaths, Mm -hmm. you know, which plays into your mind and brain and all that. But just taking those deep breaths can help relax and bring that calmness so that you're stepping back and you can think more clearly and maybe evaluate what's true what's not true what's real and what's not real what do you think
0: I think it, actually there's a ton of science behind what you just said too so what I was talking about like that parasympathetic nervous system being lit up you know it was ready to go you take a step back and take a few deep breaths it actually brings your ser- parasympathetic nervous system down so there's a science behind it too but I also think there's a beautiful piece in just taking a step back, not talking, but thinking
1: mm.
0: about what is this thing for me to, like, let's really take a step back and diagnose it. And I don't have to come up with a solution right now for my kid, right? I think a lot of times for parents, we're like, I have to have this solution. I have to have this answer. It's, it's okay to take a step back and say, I don't know what the answer is right here, right now. And so I'm going to take a step back and really evaluate it, which is huge for modeling, For kids to realize that they can take a step back too and think about the situation and evaluate it all. So not that I'm going to run away from it, but I'm going to take a step back in this. And then I'm going to take a step back in. And I'm going to really assess the situation. So I think it's 100% right. There's science behind it, Stephanie. Look, you're like, <laughs> look, she could lead this podcast. She's, She's, got, doing it. It so She's cool. got it. I don't think so. I do not think so. <laughs>
1: okay. So, Julie. Yes. Here we go. I want you to help us as parents. Okay. And tell us what are some ways that we can work to really help our kids with anxiety.
0: So the first thing is just the power of connection. We are built to connect to one another. So um, our bodies are made bodies, minds, spirits, souls... We're we're made to connect to one another, and mm-hmm. God did that by design. And so Dr. Kurt Thompson, who's one of my favorite authors, says that every human needs these four things in order to feel connected. They need to feel seen, soothed, and safe so that they feel secure enough to go out and do the hard mm-hmm. thing. That's good. So I, I love those pieces, right? to To be seen fully, to know that you're loved and nurtured and comforted, and mm-hmm. to feel safe enough to go out and do the hard thing. And then to know, like... Hey, for kids, like you can return to home base Yeah, and I'm going to be here and I'm going to cheer you on in the victories and I'm going to hug you tight Mm. in in the hard things. So the power of connection and relationship is the first thing that any of us need when we want to talk about anxiety or just being successful in life, I think. So that's huge. Um, Mm. The second thing, do you have anything about that one? No, I like that. That
2: Those are great
0: words. Um. Okay. So the second thing that I always say is um, building a trusting relationship. Mm -hmm. And so to walk with your kids in the hard things. So sometimes I have kids say like, I wouldn't even dare keep a journal or, you know, or a diary because I think my mom or dad would come in and read Uh, it. Right. And so it's like, there needs to be safe places for your child to record their mind too. Mm -hmm. And so building trust and relationship. Allowing them to have some privacy, allowing them to have their room closed, you know, their door closed, I think is significantly important, too. But building trusting relationships, having hard conversations with our kids. Don't stay away from the hard conversations, but to live in authentic truth, too, Um, you know, to to. Not to say, like, you're still the parent, right? Yeah. So they're right. not going to be the one parenting you. But if you've navigated something hard in your own life, especially in the teenage years or, ch- you know, your childhood years, be honest with your kids about that and like say, yeah, that. yeah, I felt anxiety about that too. That was hard for me too. Yeah. So I think um, building that trust is important as well.
2: Yeah, I like that. Trust is a a trust in the relationships both. Just it, it has to happen, you know, and and the conversation expectations of what it is, you say, close the door, let them have their, their private space. Well, yeah, you know, your kid, you've trusted your kid, unless they've broken, you know, trust in some way, then why wouldn't you allow that?
0: And there's right. right, And that's the balance, the word of balance, right? right? I mean, there's some pieces there that sometimes maybe kids need more accountability and some other things. Um, so the third thing I say is like celebrate the big victories Mm. because there's going to be some hard things along the way. There are, there just are. So like find time to celebrate the big, big victories. When you talk about building relationships too, from early on, like find some family things that y'all love to do together. So Mm. game night, anything that, that allows you to build connection and relationship. So think about those things early on too. And that can, that can carry you the rest of your life. My family, every Saturday night, like when I was growing up, we had Family steak night, like you know, my dad made steak, my mom did mashed potatoes, right? Justin, so, I
1: think you need to start <laughs> that. We're all coming no over to join do. your family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that was something, and then my friends, like everybody knew it was family steak night at the Mills house. That was my maiden name, at the Mills house. And so, like friends popped over. Like who wouldn't want to just jump no in, first right? Day, right. Good so freak. that was an important fixture in my childhood. So building those kind of things that that allow for connection. Good,
1: yeah, well, and when you say trust and this relationship, it goes back to time, Mm. everything takes time, and even when you were talking about giving kids a time to think, they need time. Like, when do our kids just stop and think? Mm. They don't, they don't, they Mm -hmm. never stop or they're Always inundated with what they're watching and consuming and teaching our kids just to take time to think. And if we could start that at young ages, preschool, mm-hmm. elementary, go lay in your backyard and just look at the clouds and that's okay and that's cool. It's good. And it's helpful to it you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was thinking about that, the time factor as far as trust in our relationships with our kids and being able to think.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's so important. And
0: now, how much, how many times do we as parents take time to step back, relax, go look at the sky?
2: I have not sat in the backyard and looked at the sky in a long time. Like, so yeah. I think we need
1: to have a parent podcast challenge. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Time to think challenge. I think parents out there, listen, we are challenging you (laughs) to get in your backyard, get your family out there, throw a blanket on the ground or for crying out loud, just lay in the grass and look up at the clouds and just be silent and think and enjoy time together.
2: I like that. So what's the challenge part, Stephanie? What are you going to do if they do this? I'm just kidding. That's a student ministry side (laughs) thing. There's always some punishment (laughs) for doing something. Or reward. student ministry. What we're going to do for all of
1: you that um, take this challenge, Justin is having everyone over for steak night. (laughs) Okay. On
2: on Steph's Saturday. On Steph's dime. It's going to be amazing.
1: (sighs) All right, Julie, what else do we need to know about our kids? Is there anything you can think of that Would be beneficial to us. Well,
0: let's kind of go through There's like some quick steps that I just want to leave the listeners with. The first thing when we talk about anxiety, expect it. Like Mm. normalize Mm. it for your kids. Don't accommodate it. I like that. But don't eliminate it. So if you have a kid who's super anxious about, you know, who's going to, who are they going to sit with at lunch? So my husband's a school Mm. teacher. Right. And so he's like, man, lunch is yes. he's, he it's teaches high school <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you can make it through the day in high school, except lunch is really important and you need your people. He always that's says right. you need your people. So like, right. So maybe a kid is really anxious about who they're going to sit with at lunch. And you don't like to say and this is what this is my like I revert back to are you just wonderful. Who wouldn't want to sit with you? You're awesome. <laughs> you know, and they're like, that's great, mom. But I have to figure out this real world thing. Right. Yeah. And So don't eliminate their anxiety either. So you can lean into it. We're not going to accommodate it. You know, you still got to go to school. Yeah. Yes. But so you're not going to accommodate. You're not going to eliminate. We're going to expect the worry to pop up because that's even a developmentally appropriate worry. Right. Like yep. who are my friends going to be? And so you can say, um, hey, I, you know what? I know that's going to be hard. Uh, I remember feeling that way when yep. I was in high school, too. And I know that by the end of today, you're going to have a solution that that's going to it might not feel comfortable, but um, I know you're going to be able to do it. I know you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. So might
1: be uncomfortable, but you can, That's do, it. You can do it. Yeah. It's even for elementary kids. That happens at recess. For Who me? am I going to play yes. with at recess today? What if nobody wants to play with you, Justin? I, I, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. Sure. So to help your kids know that, you know what, sometimes it's okay to play by yourself. Jump on a swing or start a kickball game, but engage. Mm-hmm. Engage. That's a right. There's a theme there too. And then the other thing that
0: we're going to do is kind of externalize it. And this is where like people start to say, this is a little crazy sounding, but like, so in our house, like we name it, right? Like name the worry, like the worry monsters here. Our son, who's super funny, he calls it Bartholomew instead of Bartholomew, <laughs> okay. Bartholomew. Yeah. 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 Right. But when we, when we <laughs> give it a name, number one, we're able to really laugh about it. Like we've, we have these conversations around the dinner table and when you laugh about it, yes. it loses its power. That's good. So externalize it. And then you start to break it apart and you're like, well, why, why does this have power? It's, it's a mm. part of you, you know, It it is, and we're going to validate it, but it doesn't have to have the loudest voice. Yeah. And that's super it's important good. to remember for our kids. And then you're going to point them back to, they've already done hard things. Mm. So if you have a kid who's really anxious about a particular situation, say, okay, so let's just talk about some hard things that you've done and bring to mind the things that they have done as they've, as they've done this thing. And my husband calls it, being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I love that, right? Yeah. He's as a coach, he's like, be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Yeah. And so like, we know that you're going to be uncomfortable, but you've already been uncomfortable before. So it's good. pointing good. back to that thing, but be comfortable on purpose too, mm. because as you're beginning to break through all these things and see that you, you have the courage, you can do the hard things. If you lean in on purpose, that's where the rewiring of the brain happens, right? Mm. That's where we're creating new rivers. To say, I can do this, not, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm terrified. I'm going to do it. No, I can lean in. I can do the hard thing. And then of course the resetting, of course, we've talked about the breathing and all those things, but goal setting too. And Justin, I think this goes back to your, the eat the big frog analogy. Yeah. Um, when a kid really knows what they want, they're oftentimes going to jump out there and do the hard thing too. Mm, that's good, True. So I always say, figure out, figure out the, the motivator for your kid, um, and and set them forward on that path. It might not feel comfortable, but when they know what their goal is, encourage them in the goal. It's good. And let them fail, let them yes. succeed, mm-hmm. but let them figure it out. Mm. And I think oftentimes like we want to soften the blow or yep. find a solution for them, right? Because that's kind of how we're wired. That's right. But if you sit, say to them like this one thing, you can do hard things. I know this is hard. If anybody can come up with a solution, it's you. That's good. And because they're mirroring us, uh-huh. they're really looking to us to say. But if I say, "Well, if you go to the teacher and you fix this, and if you'll do this," which is my natural like tendency, yes. right, to want to advise on everything they can do instead of letting them sit in it and figure out the solution themselves. So, I think those are the big pieces that I would say to kids um, and to parents. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not perfect at this, and that's why I'm mm. passionate about it.
1: So. Well, and okay, Julie, I'm going to pitch this out there. You knock it down or hit a home run with it, whatever you want to do. But a merry heart is good like a medicine. That's what the Bible Mm -hmm. says. Mm -hmm. And you said laughing. You mentioned laughing. And I think laughter is so important in a home. I think it de-stresses sometimes. Mm -hmm. It relieves anxiety at times when we can all just laugh together. Yeah. So we need to be thinking as parents, how can our family just laugh together? I think, honestly,
0: when you laugh, especially about things that we often don't laugh about, that just brings joy and unity and connection in our relationship. For sure. I agree 100% with that.
1: One other thing that I've heard too is that exercise and moving is a great stress reliever. And I think that our kids sit so much. Like Mm -hmm. I played outside nonstop that's all we did right yep. and um i think our kids sometimes can miss that piece so encouraging parents laugh with your kids and then get them outside get them running get them playing get them on those bicycles whatever you can do not just in organized sports yeah. but free play where they can think on their own problem solve on their own in simple situations that they can use problem solving skills in these situations where you're talking, where they're anxious or overwhelmed or doing the hard things. So laugh and play. Yes. And the body is actually made to metabolize the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you're
0: physically out there doing things, like the body responds that way. It's made to metabolize your anxiousness. Huh. So yes. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm.
1: So
2: many good things. Julie, thank you so, so much Mm, for joining us today. This has been uh, just really good for me as a parent, um, as well as somebody that works with students and sees all of these things as well. But thank you so much for coming in and uh, and making just all of us aware. So I hope that all of our listeners, all of our parents will have taken some notes on all of these different things and that they will go lay in the backyard and look at some clouds this week so that they can have steak at my house on Stephanie's Dime. It's going to be